You are listening to Holy Words from Holy Cross, the sermon podcast of Holy Cross Evangelical Lutheran Church in Nazareth, Pennsylvania. We hope you find these words a blessing in your daily walk with God. Please visit us on the web at www.holycrossnazareth.org or in person at 696 Johnson Road, Nazareth, Pennsylvania. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart, not be all else to me, save that thou... Well, last week was... Uh kind of a flashbang sermon. Uh, they, I, had, I, was, I was loud. I made the congregation be loud. We had visuals up overhead and stuff like that. Today is kind of the opposite. Um, I'd call this kind of a fireside chat. Uh, I think because of the very personal way today's readings hit me. Um, and uh, I was reminded by these readings. The first thing that occurred to me as I read them was how it was not the apostles Uh, who were, if you want to say, successful. Um, They were the ones who uh, fell flat on their face, so to speak. And it was these outsiders, these people, this crowd that had gathered and simply come for a favor from Jesus um, who received their request ultimately at Jesus' hands. Um, And it put me in mind of something that happened to me when I was back in seminary. Um, The more I look on it, the more ridiculous it seems to me that uh, after only introductory classes, the first thing they do to you is slap a collar on you and send you into a hospital to be a chaplain. Because you never run into anything stressful or high maintenance there. (laughs) And I'm like, could we have the advanced classes first? But no, they didn't do that. Um, And uh, I I served at a hospital where um, we took turns as hospital chaplains, um, being on duty 24 hours, being on full duty. And um, they... uh, Oh, thank you. Water. <laughs> um, the, uh, we would be there for 24 hours, stay on the campus, and if your buzzer went off, if you're, you, you knew there was an emergency somewhere in the hospital and you went and did it uh, to take care of it. Well, I was on duty one night and um, on call, and uh, probably like 11 o'clock at night or something, my buzzer went off and I saw on it code blue, which means someone has stopped breathing. Um, and it had that the, little phone you call in, you find out what room you have to go to, and you race up to that floor. Um, and it was in the ICU. And so when I arrived um, at the intensive care unit, uh, they had restored the woman's breathing, uh, but it was ten, things were tenuous. And as I came into the room, the family was gathered there, especially, uh, and uh, her brother, they, the, the crash cart had cleared out, so the, the, the family was there. And uh, the brother sees me, and... Uh, he instantly uh, reacts, the brother of the woman sitting in, in lying in the bed, rather. And um, back before piercings were as common as they are today, he was pierced everywhere. I mean, it was like, he just, he had a lot of investment in steel. There were studs here and here and here, and it was just all over. And it was clear that, um, given his dress and everything like that, he wasn't around church folk a lot. <laughs> But he was grateful that I was there. And uh, he comes over immediately, puts his arm on, on my shoulder, and he says, oh, Pastor, I'm thinking, I'm not a pastor yet, but okay. Uh, <laughs> pastor, I'm so glad you're here. We really need some prayer. And I said, absolutely. That's what I'm here to do with you. Um, I said, have you prayed yet? And his eyes, if anything, got even bigger. No. 
I said, well, you can, you know. And he said, no, no, I can't. We need someone like you. God doesn't listen to people like me. And um, it was my first experience of people thinking I was somehow different because I'm a pastor. (laughs) And that happens a lot at church circles. Um, What's amazing to me about today's story, and I think the first thing that was what God lifted out of it for me, was that the apostles, the people who had been journeying with Jesus, can't accomplish what they set out to do. And apparently they assume they can, because they try. (laughs) But this crowd that is gathered there, perhaps just because they've heard that Jesus can do miracles, they rush to Jesus directly with their request. And he responds in grace and gives them their request. And it is the same with us. When we come to Jesus, whether we've been journeying with Him or not, when we come directly to Him and don't stand on our own two feet, don't rely on our own power, that is when, that is when Jesus acts. He acts first in power to free us from whatever's afflicting us. Especially, first and foremost, that thing which afflicts us unto death, according to Scripture, by forgiving our sins. And then He stays, as He did with the apostles, to teach us essentially what we did wrong (laughs) and help amend our lives. He's there in power and He's there as teacher, as Savior and as Lord. And um, what we need to learn, all of us, is the truth of what God gave to St. Paul when Paul wanted to have power. Because there were these super apostles running around. (laughs) There were these people who apparently they were gifted preachers and they could put on quite a show and dazzle the masses. And... um, Paul sort of, I don't know if he felt like he should compete with them or what. Certainly they were a bit of a thorn in his side because they'd come along and kind of undo some of the preaching he had done. And um, people were attracted to them. And God said to Paul, he said, My power is made perfect in weakness. It's when we are weak that the power of the Lord truly shines through and He is given the glory. Um, because we started late today, you didn't get a chance to see it. Normally we've got announcements running on these screens when people are walking in. There is one out in the uh, narthex also that's running constantly. But one of, the, one of the things that will pop up, one of the slides, is a picture of an iceberg. Um, and on it it says, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. That is the discipleship material we are using here at the church, trying to learn to be better followers of Jesus. Um, that... They chose an iceberg because, of course, if you know anything about icebergs, 90% of the mass of the iceberg is below waterline. What you see on top is not the dangerous part. <laughs> and so they use that as a symbol of saying, how do we let Jesus affect the whole of our lives and not just what the world sees and not just what we want him to touch first and foremost. Like, fix this, but don't touch that because I kind of like that part. <laughs> Well, 
that material sprang out of a crisis in the life of a congregation not far from ours. Um, up in Queens, New York. This is the kind of congregation that usually is on the cover of Christianity Today. Um, planted in one of the hardest neighborhoods in Queens, New York. If you know Queens, it's not, the, it's not Fifth Avenue. <laughs> um, at this congregation, very poor, very poor congregation, they meet in, the, in a converted Elks Club. There are 63 nationalities represented. You know, everybody wants to come to church and get a little of what, at least a little of what they're used to. How do you do that with 63 nationalities? There is no the way we used to do it here because everybody did it differently. But they, they planted in this really hard neighborhood and they exploded and grew under the leadership of a, of a pastor who just seemed to have, be one of those super apostles, have all the polish and all the panache and be able to preach victory in Jesus in a way that, that uh, reached out and grabbed people. Um, and so the church just exploded in growth and things seemed to be rolling along beautifully until one day... Pastor Peter was uh, in his bedroom doing something and his wife comes in and looks at him and says, I quit. He said, excuse me? I quit. I quit the church because you're not a spiritual leader worth following. And I may be quitting the marriage. Stay tuned. That will wake you up. He was asleep at the wheel spiritually. He was running a booming ministry, but the Lord was not touching the 90% of his life that no one saw except those closest to him, like his wife. He might have known his scripture backward and forward. He could preach a bang-up sermon, but those words weren't reaching in and touching his life and transforming him more and more into the likeness of Christ. And this is why I think this material is so valuable and why Pastor Peter is a, Pastor Peter is a great Christian leader, not because he's a stunning preacher, not because he can dazzle the masses, not because he can put on a good show, but because that's the moment when he decided to get real, as my kids will sometimes say. I, I just learned this IRL is a new acronym, right? In real life, that's what people text. <laughs> Um, he decided to start letting Jesus touch those parts of his life. And more importantly, he decided to start sharing his journey with his congregation and not be the polished professional up front putting on a show. And you know what he discovered? That the people at first were shocked, but then all of a sudden they felt empowered to share the parts of their lives that they were having problems with. They didn't need to be superb. They didn't need to put on, as our, one of our Bible leaders calls it, a stained glass smile when they came to church. They could share what was hurting in their lives. And Jesus could then minister to them because they weren't hiding it anymore. It totally transformed the nature of the congregation. And I can say that with... Because I read the book and I thought, oh, this sounds great, but you know what? Anything works on paper. But I visited the congregation and I watched the way they interact with each other. And this is a vocabulary. They know how to truly let God minister not only to them in their brokenness, but through their brokenness. His power is truly made perfect in their weakness. 
and they've learned to live in the Spirit and let that life flow through them. Because James is right. We all do a bunch of atrocious things. (laughs) We all stumble in many ways. We want to live in a different way. We want to... And I guess I'm, I'm offering this sermon to you to say that as long as I am the pastor here, I am not going to put on a show. And I'm going to do my best to be transparent about my struggles, not in an inappropriate way. So like, hey, here is my stuff. You deal with it. No, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and be honest about how I have trouble learning to walk with Christ and what, how the Lord's working in my life when that's appropriate so that you can feel that too. Because pastors are scared to do this, i got to tell you. Because it's easy for people to say, come to our church, we've got a great pastor. Not, come to our church, he preaches Christ and Him crucified. <laughs> but when, when our power is made perfect in His weakness and we point back to that holy cross where the Lord of glory was crucified. And we are transparent to God's purposes in that way. He can use not just the pastor, but all of us. Because as the prophet Isaiah... Do you notice how the prophet Isaiah starts his message today? His message is, I have been given the tongue of, not a teacher, but someone who is taught. We each of us can sit at the feet of the one true teacher and learn together how to be disciples to call Him not only Savior but Lord. Will you join me for a word of prayer? Gracious God, we thank You that we come together not as people who have something to show off to you or to one another, but as, as Martin Luther said, as beggars in need of bread, and that we have the high privilege of looking at one another and reminding us ourselves where we can receive that bread. For you are the bread of life. Feed us, Lord. Feed us that we may truly come to reflect the light of Christ in our lives and that the world looking on may see those lights and give glory to you who are our Father in heaven. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Not be all else to me, save that thou art. Be thou my best thought in the day and the night. Waking or sleeping, thy presence my life.